Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
thank you for this opportunity once again, after so much, to be able to spend time together ultimately through, well, truly thick and thin, uh, and even seeming to get thicker. And thank you for the revelation, Father, that you've given me uh, that I'm able to share. Once again, I just praise you. I thank you. You are the wind beneath our wings. We thank you for every opportunity. We struggle when we're going through intense trials and tribulations, and we also struggle, Father, to understand why. And it can be incredibly discouraging when we do not know why. And as you know, Father, we, I have, and on many occasions on various radio show programs, speculated about things, wondered about them, used analogies to explain what I thought was happening. And I want to praise you for, I want to give a praise report, Father, for the remarkable confirmation, undeniable, astonishing confirmation. Having to go through what I had to go through, what many of us are going through, which I have talked about on many prayer vigils, many programs, in fact, um, the tr- the intensity of the trials and the tribulations, the timing of the intensity of the trials and tribulations, the customization of each one of those hardships that many of us are having to go through, the interesting dynamics associated with the timing of them in, in a sense that sometimes we're going through them, sometimes we're not, sometimes we think we're getting rest and it's not going to come back and, and everything's going to be fine and we're going to you know, just be able to live in a state of praise and prayer, but then only to be thrown back into another even more serious event or to have to sustain one particular customized, most horrible event for a longer period of time, in some cases years, in my case, many years. Um, but also to be able to see, Father, we praise you that we're, that I, I, I praise you, and I, and I know that others do too. I have heard the testimonies, and in fact, as you know, Father, I've had the blessing to stand on holy ground and to be able to counsel or guide or minister to people that were going through incredibly difficult things, um, not always with perfection, a lot of times with maybe sanctified specific, you know, um, guesstimations of what the next move ought to be. Um, we're all learning, and we're all watching. We're seeing the world continue to degrade, but certainly at a slower rate of speed than we had originally anticipated, certainly uh, by a magnitude of hundreds of times slower than, um, well, I don't know if it's hundreds of times slower, but definitely 20 or 30 times slower than um, we expected based upon some of the prophetic words that we have embraced and repeated and read on this program over the last, wow, pretty much 11 years or so. You know, maybe nine, or I'm sorry, uh, praise you, Jesus. Just thank you, Father. I just want to praise you, Father. I want to thank you for everything that you have taught me, shown me, uh, the beatings that I've taken, I am going to call them beatings because that's exactly what they were. Um, the hindsight is twenty twenty lessons and seeing the dots interconnect and 
being kind of blown away, really, to to be able to connect those dots, and the incredible supernatural and perfect timing associated with the confirmations that have come in, not just from one direction, but from several, in many cases simultaneously, but perfectly timed and in perfect order to be able to tell a story that only those with a spiritual set of eyes un because, Father, for those, and we just praise you for those of us who have been blessed to go through some of these very difficult trials and tribulations and understand the, the, the diamond. I can't even hardly talk. I'm so incredibly fatigued. Thank you, Jesus. Very little sleep this week. I mean, less than maybe eight hours in the last three days. And that's probably generous, maybe more like two two to four hours in the last three days. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father, for the opportunity to be able to serve you. We do not understand a lot of things. We praise you especially, Lord, for the revelations that I'm going to share tonight and the confirmations that make them, at least for me and maybe for some testimonially, through the experience that I've had to suffer, um, certainly not as bad as the experience that others are suffering, but I would, I certainly can see the hows, the whys, we're all going through different things. I can only imagine what are, what people are what certain people are going through. I can imagine that if a person wasn't ready, didn't understand you, didn't understand you know only understood what little they knew from churchianity and pumping the collection plate. If they were to go through the horrible things that the people are going through south of Tampa right now, not all of them, but a lot of them, especially those relatively close to the shore within a few miles. That their faith, what little they might have had at the time that it occurred, would have not only been shaken, but they might have become exceedingly angry with you, Father. And I am sad to realize that the vast majority of people that will suffer the judgments that are coming and are already being inflicted upon the world will not be ready. They will not understand why. And they will do exactly like your scripture says. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. And I praise you, Father, for revealing these scriptures to me over the time that I'm able to share it with others. And also, Father, I say with a little bit of reluctance, admittedly so, that I praise you for putting me through the very, very difficult things that you have put me through over the last, since 2017. And also, I praise you, Father God, for the conversation that you gave me today with another believer all the way on the other side of the country that I that's associated with my work day, um, working for a major client um, that I have to meet with and to find out that his understanding is exceedingly advanced, understanding of the planet X, all, you know, the, uh, everything shape-shifting reptilians, the whole thing. It's an amazing thing to run across another believer happenstance-wise. The miracle even associated with that is just unbelievable. 
the miracle being on a team of people with a multi-billion dollar company. And after over a year of servicing them on a particular contract, being assigned one out of 10 or 12 people for a specific duty and to find out that this person understands as much as we do, if not more in some areas. And also for him to testify to me, even today, that he and his family went started to go through extreme, and I do mean extreme, trials and tribulations, bad ones, as bad as the ones that I've gone through, certainly, to some degree, multiple members of his family, and it all started around about 2017, the same time and same timing as many, as many of us. It's almost as if right after Donald Trump, that shift that we don't even understand it. I don't understand it. Um, calling of an audible, perhaps. Some people try to equate Trump as being having to do with some, you know, scripture and revelation and all that. And I, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't agree with it. Anyway, Father, whatever the reason was, I, I have my suspicions. What the reason is, I, I see it in Psalm fifty-one, where. And and so much else, Father. I mean, it says, you know, in Psalm 51, King David makes it very clear that um, we will be um, that that we. I forget exactly how it goes off the top of my head, but it goes something like um, that: you may be found just when you speak, and right, you know, righteous when righteous and righteous when you judge embedded in Psalm 51. And what does that mean? It means what it says, against you and you only I have sinned and done this evil on your side. You may be found righteous when, you know, you judge, essentially. And Father, that's a very kind of a scary thing for some of us that understand these dynamics because we understand also that by virtue of that being there, Many of the believers out there that are embracing Donald Trump as their savior instead of Jesus, well, they're going to have a very sad and rude awakening eventually someday, which is sad. I don't want to see that happen to anybody, Father. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, and I pray that everybody that's listening to this program right now, whether they're listening live or to a podcast, that you just pray along with me in the name of Jesus, Father, for please forgive Please, Father, in Jesus' name, even the ones that are the most aberrant, I'm not going to name any names, but there are a very large group, we'll just call them, they're part of a prophetic list, they're very well known and popular, and they are all, unbeknownst to the many, probably hundreds of thousands of believers that have been subscribing to such a list, part of the Seven Mountains Mandate Group. And they're not going to your heaven, Father. It's so clear. And I pray that you will forgive me for bringing some of them on the show. It's, it's a deception that is so utterly thorough that unless you pay especially close attention to very minute details, you cannot tell the deception is there until they really stick their foot in their mouth. And they have been lately. Thank you, Jesus. Because it's a wake-up call for so many of us at a time when it's so crucial. 
Thank you, Father God, for the conversation that I had with Odin Hetrick's daughter. When she explained to me that Satan had set up a fake heaven, that many were being taken to it, that it's that the duplication is so utterly amazing that without exceedingly careful scrutiny of every comment, it becomes virtually impossible to tell the difference, which is why even so many believers have been duped by it. But yet, Father, it says in Psalm sixty-six, eighteen: if I have iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And we understand through the teaching that we learned through John Melindy and the white paper on how Satan stops our prayers, combat in the heavenly realm or spiritual realm, as it mentions even in the text of the white paper. How easily people can be deceived, how easily demons of darkness by, that uh, are able to steal the answer to our prayers that is in the form of a type of a gift that the angel has to hold in their possession and protect as they're coming down to bring it to us. And how the demons attempt to steal that, and when they're successful at stealing the gift from the angel that we were, you know, the answer to our prayers, when they are successful at stealing that gift, it becomes power that can be used against us. It can cause false prophecies, deceptions, uh, incorrect information, seducing spirits to have effects that otherwise would not normally have effects. There's so many dynamics that are so exceedingly advanced that you have taught us, Father, over the years that they're, they're, I, as you know, Father, I am so tired. I am so fatigued right now that it is very hard for me. I just have to just hope that I can get words out. It's complete sentences. And I pray, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, they will heal me entirely that I may be able to sleep. I know the scriptures that say that I ought to be able to, but as you know, Father, I have a wagon train of stress ahead of me even now. And if I don't trust you, there is no way, no way I could deal with it. And I thank you, Father, for bringing me to the edge of the chasm, a place where I have to trust you, or I would be in an absolute panic. I was for a while, but now I'm just like, whatever. And I thank you for bringing me to that place. It is kind of a place of comfort. I want to be able to trust you, and I know that everybody that's on this program, I think I feel with all of my heart, wants to be able to trust you now more than ever. And I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus. See, sometimes we think we trust you. Sometimes we say that we trust you. Sometimes we confess that we trust you. Sometimes we proclaim, declare, and decree that we trust you. Sometimes we even say that by virtue of us being on our knees that we do trust you. Otherwise, we wouldn't be there. But at the same time, there's a difference between deep, heartfelt, true trust, which eliminates anxiety and worry, and our perception of our level of trust. Similar to how Odin Hetrick was shown by Jesus that the amount, after dedicating his entire life to you, Lord, that when a tear fell from his eyes onto the sandal of your feet, that you, Jesus, told him, 
that that tear was representative of the amount of love that he had for you. Absolutely shocking him. We don't understand the depth of the love that is associated with our future, our eternity, and the depth of the love. How much do we have to love our child to be willing to run across when they're three years old, running over, you know, toddling over to a hot stove and love them enough to grab their little hands and smack their little hands very hard so they cry out in agony, scared almost for a second or two before you pick them back up and give them a hug. But that smack on the hand was so powerful that that little child never, ever went near the stove again. To be such a good father that you love us enough to allow us to suffer. The world has come to a place of degradation, evil, such that regular common sense child upbringing practices are considered to be against the law, if not directly against the law. And in the, in the inconsistencies of enforcement across the world are astonishing. The world is clearly in a state of absolute judgment. And we praise you for continuing to love us enough to teach us the lessons that we need to learn, even though it's going to require occasionally for us to go and do something, perhaps, or to be thrust into a situation that is unavoidable because it was part of your perfect design for the journey that we have to go on, which is one of the hardest and most complex one of the hardest and most complex things to learn to accept. And only through the process of elimination and critical thinking skills that you have blessed us with on occasion, maybe through a word of wisdom, which is part of the uh, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Or maybe it's just some kind of something else. But whatever it is, Father, we praise you because as hard as this last week was to go through on top of everything else, the lesson that was learned, the confirmations that were received were invaluable. And I praise you for this opportunity. I praise you that we'll be able to take communion tonight. I praise you that we'll be able to worship you. I praise you that we'll be able to pray for people by the millions using spiritual warfare tactics that are 100% backed by your scripture. If you know well enough and you've blessed us with that through the journey that we've been brought on. But also it helps us to understand that there are ramifications for running into the Nazi prison camp and taking out the enemy. And sometimes you get a purple heart, sometimes you get a silver star. But you're doing exactly what you were told to do in the scripture. And to discover that by virtue of that level of, 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 of imperfect obedience, that it makes our lives many times a magnitude harder. To even have church forefathers before us that were well recognized and in fact somewhat worshipped by the people that liked them so much. One in particular, 
you know which one I and I father I just pray that you, I know he's in heaven and I pray father as you know it it's frustrating to have that to come to the realization that the you know that sometimes people teach wrongful things because their logic is flipped upside down a little bit and we just pray father that you will forgive us all because we are all subject to that please forgive us Forgive all of our brothers and sisters that are in the different places in their walks right now that are a day late and a dollar short. And we praise you, Father God, for having enough mercy to be able to cause this earth to shake in such a manner that those who do have spiritual acuity, the ability to love, to have humility, to be those who are still willing to follow you, Lord Jesus, when you turn across thousands. If you cannot eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, do not follow after me. And to have those multitudes turn around and think that you are absolutely nuts. But to be able to recognize that you were simply filtering out those who you wanted, who you were calling. To understand that the entire earth and this entire experience is indeed a training ground and also a type of a judgment. To be able to understand the disparity between the, the difference in Christian walks and understand why Jesus, uh, or understand why, uh, why uh, through the Holy Spirit it was said uh, in the epistles that... Um, that um, Oh, I'm so tired. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to go ahead and move on and just say, praise you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. I um, And just give you all the worship and glory. Give the testimony. And uh, Father, I just pray that you all allow me to sleep tonight. Even yesterday, after having no sleep for 48 hours, zero sleep, absolutely none. Yesterday, I didn't so much as have a single glass of wine, forced myself to stay up a little bit later, did everything right, still only got four hours of sleep. And um, I praise you, Father, for it. I just pray that you'll forgive me for stumbling over my words and not being able to remember everything that I would like to say in a given sentence. But I pray in the name of Jesus that this testimony will help somebody, maybe many, because I believe from the bottom of my heart that the confirmations that you have given me are going to be reflective of the exact same experiences that many others are going through for entirely different. Well, for the same reason, ultimately, but completely different, custom-made, what seem to be, well, what the Bible calls tribulations. We'll just leave it at that. Very difficult series of difficulties, we'll say. We'll just leave it at that. And they're all custom-made for each of us in our walk, in our workplace, uh, in our marriages, or our lack of marriages, or in our families, or lack of families, or whatever the case may be. We are noticing and seeing, Father, your hand working it. And we can't see it until after we get through it. And while we're going through it, it's very hard not to lose it, which I'm guilty of many times, as you know, Father, of course. 
We praise your name, and we thank you for this opportunity to do this special testimonial program and also to take communion, spend some time with you, pray for people that need prayed for, and especially to lift up our fellow brothers and sisters, Father God, because there's so many of them. It does rain on the just and the unjust. Father, we know that the Scripture says, blessed in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, and those that have gone home to be with you that could be called your saints. To the people on earth, it was a travesty, but to you, it was a wondrous blessing to be able to meet in person some that may be perished and Hurricane Ian. Thank you for revealing these things to the hearts of babes. We certainly are nothing more than that. It is so true that the more we are crushed, I guess like a flower, the more beautiful, blessed, aromatic, and amazing the scent of righteousness becomes. We give you all the praise and glory forever and ever. Amen. Tonight is September the 30th of 2022, the 5th of Tishri, 5783. The next holiday is Yom Kippur, October the 5th of 2022. And I know there's people out there that are, you know, I love them. And I bless them. But they are just like I was in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. They're rapture hunters. And they somehow think that that's going to, I don't know, be a good thing. Somehow it's like the gold star of making it to heaven, I guess. Only to maybe at some point realize through your grace (laughs) that it's absolutely meaningless in the grand scheme of all of eternity. Praise you, Father. We thank you, Father. Next holiday, Yom Kippur, October the 5th of 2022, and it's not the rapture date. So for those of you out there who are embracing that as a possible opportunity to escape instead of looking for an opportunity to serve Jesus, to grow closer to him, praying that God will beat you to a fruit-juicy pulp if that's exactly what is necessary for you to be found holy and righteous before him and maybe be chosen instead of just called. Maybe make the first watch instead of the second. Maybe be part of the first fruits harvest. Maybe have been found worthy, have gone through enough, have bore enough fruit, perhaps even just through prayer and trials and tribulations. Or without these trials and tribulations, as the scripture says, well, it certainly does imply that our journey to heaven will not be as fruitful. And certainly it wouldn't be as soon as we would hope. Thank you for Jesus for sharing with us the parable of the talents and rewards immediately after the wise and foolish virgins without so much as taking a sip of water as far as we can tell from reading the word. Helping us to understand that part of becoming a wise virgin is serving you and being exactly like you, Jesus, which means 
a very difficult life indeed. That your bride goes through the same things, the same trials and tribulations and difficulties unto death as you suffered. Love, compassion, carrying our crosses, being willing to do whatever it takes to serve you and to feed your sheep. We praise you for this opportunity. We thank you for the revelation that I'm about to share. And we thank you for this electronic opportunity to be able to pray together, take communion together, and to know beyond any shadow of a doubt through your grace as the tax collectors renting our robes knowing we are unworthy that there are people being saved by virtue of what you have shown us in prayer. In dreams and visions of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction, Job 33, 14, and 15. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The time now is 7, uh, let me see if I can focus my eyes, 7.33 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. Hallelujah. And tonight together we light the Sabbath candles. I like to light three, one for the Father. I'm reaching. One for the Son. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The wind beneath our wings. And one for the Holy Spirit. Oh, may we, may, may we all learn to be like Angelica Zambrano and pull a chair out for you when we sit down to dine by the grace of God and remember to bless our food. And to not be surprised if we get, get sick from some sort of poisoning for failing to bless our food. Thank you, Father, for every drink of water. Thank you, Father, for every pain-free breath of air. And if we are going through pain, we praise you for the pain. And we pray that that pain will bring us to a place where we realize through the presence of the Holy Spirit and our understanding of your love for us and, our, and the impurities that need to be worked out as we each work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We give you all the glory and praise and honor. In Jesus' name, help us, Father, to remember to praise the pain away. Like the steadiness 
of the sun Keep on burning Never turn Just keep this up And you will learn That my children need my love Every day Would always wake you up Now look at my eyes in your mirror And give me one single reason to stop The wrong that you did, I won't remember it What matters to me is that your spirit is shining Just rest in my light and watch those shadows dissolve Don't forget where you belong Like the steadiness of the sun Keep on burning, never turn Keep this up and you will learn That my children need my light every day Never forget that this is always your home You can come as you are and you'll always be loved In my presence time is gone Future mistakes were all forgiven by me If you hold to my word you will always be free this promise will stand till the end of time. It was paid in full when I called you mine. Praise the pain away. Don't forget where you belong. Like the steadiness of my son. Keep on burning. Never turn away. Just keep this up. And you will learn That my children need my light Every day Before I begin, excuse me, tears. Before I get, before I begin, um, I apologize to those of you who may have a little bit of difficulty following the series of things that I'm going to share. Unfortunately, in order to get the full impact of the testimony, there's a lot of moving parts and gears. I'm going to do the best that I can to paint the picture of the events and hopefully 
at least you'll be able to get to some degree. I, I, I would love that you would get 100% of it. And I'll do the best that I can to weave it together. Um, and it's not especially long. Not, not really. I mean, it is kind of a little bit, I suppose, especially the more I try to um, weave it together. Praise God. But um, I'm going to go ahead and try to do that right now. Um, to be able to see the labyrinthine series of events that this that are all interconnected and, and woven together into the tapestry of a series of miracles and supernatural confirmations that ultimately end up to be a glorious thing for us to understand, particularly in the days of which we are going through uh, and will be going through. I sadly share, unfortunately, as part of this um, experience, that for those of you who are desperately hoping to get raptured off the earth really soon, it isn't going to happen. I don't want that to be a disappointment. It actually should be a, a point of glory for you. If you truly understand the magnitude of the rewards that you will be eligible for, if you truly fall in love with our Father, as we're commanded to, and Jesus as your first love, so much so that you want to feed his sheep, that your priorities in your existence here on this earth are the opportunities that God has given you to spend more time in prayer, saving more souls, Touching people's lives. But be careful, folks, because before you go out and start a YouTube channel and start chattering away, remember, you'll be held accountable. Now, if you realize you're making mistakes and you talk to the Father, you examine yourself and you realize God will forgive you and he won't remember your sins and he will blot out all of your transgressions and separate them as far as the east is from the west, which is awesome. But so many will not ever realize that what they're saying could be condemning them to the pit. All that being said, water under the bridge. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us to understand these things. I personally, looking back on my life, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not claiming. I'm not laying claim to anything. Except the fact that I am probably the most unworthy person in the world. I know that makes me sound like the Apostle Paul, and I don't mean it to sound that way. And I also want to say this, please. Anything that might come across as puffed up in any way, or somehow privileged above somebody else because of the fact that I went through it, or that God gave me the knowledge of it through the experiences that I've gone through, it seems to me, as best as I can tell, that for whatever reason, part of my walk includes, although I don't especially like it so much, um, going through things that are very unpleasant. But even in that walk of unpleasantries and trials, tribulations, beatings, theft of thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, um, attempts on my life, I see miracles impossible miracles everywhere. And I also realize 
because hindsight is twenty twenty, that if the Lord hadn't made me go through those things, lined them up for me, and I'm sure I got more waiting for me, of course, that um, that um, I I I wouldn't be where I am right now. And uh, if I was, if I, if Jesus were to come for His bride when I started doing this radio show in 2011, I would not have made it for sure. There's no way. Even though I had all made huge trans, I mean, I the difference between when I started the website in 20, 2009, wrote 420 articles, served God with tears in my eyes, spent untold number of hours on my knees in prayer even before I even started the prayer vigil and all the different things that I went through and the trials, the tribulations, the beatings, the the, the stuff I, I just couldn't deal with. It was so many Christians, even on YouTube channels, disparaging me and calling me names and people that were very close to me and associated with the ministry, stabbing me in the back. Just unbelievable things that I've gone through and yet I had to learn and go through all of those things. It, it was so many things. It's probably, I think that if I was to make a bullet-pointed list of all of the things that the Lord has put me through in order to bring me to where I am right now, which I don't even know where that is, um, it's probably more than a thousand bullet-pointed items. Each one of them was some type of a, a lesson that was learned. But I signed up. I signed up. And... um when you sign, it's one thing to sign up with this idea in your head that you want to be a preacher. I did it one time. I, I really did. I even remember driving down the road, Hillsborough Avenue, Tampa, Florida, and seeing this uh, car lot. It was one of those small car lots, but it had a really beautiful building. And the front, of course, had glass, you know, on the front of the building. But when the lot was totally emptied out and it was for sale, I looked at it and thought to myself, what an amazing church that would be to be full of the presence of the Holy Spirit and people praising Jesus that everybody on Hillsborough Avenue that drove by would be able to see it through the glass. Thinking that, that, would, that, that at that point, God would have blessed me to, get, to have reached a pinnacle of my ability to serve him. Only to find out 11 years later, maybe 12 years later, or more, because I don't remember when I saw that. That was back even probably before I started the website. Only to realize that I would have been stuck. And the impact that I would have had on, I would, you know, it's a better thing. We have to understand, you know, that it's better to, it's about quality, not quantity. Everybody thinks it's bigger is better. And that is absolutely not true. Because if bigger is better, then Jesus wouldn't have turned to the multitudes and said, if you can, if you can't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you know, do not follow after me kind of thing. I don't have the exact quote memorized and I'm too tired to look it up and I, that's, but you, I, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. It's not about numbers. It's about quality. As a matter of fact, that's captured in the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses you know, like 14, 15, all the way up to like 17, I think, but mostly 13, 14, 15, where it says, you know, our works will be tested what sort they are. They will be tested by fire, wood, hay, um, you know, Diamonds and, you know, there's comparison of different materials, some that burn, some that do not. 
Our works will be f tested by fire of what sort they are. If you look up that word in the Greek, don't have it handy, but you can do it on your own. You'll discover if you have an enhanced Strong's, hopefully, I'll tell you what, if you get the olive tree version of um, software for your Android phone, I don't. I believe it also, I'm pretty sure they would have it for Apple, and it also has a computer one that works on your laptops and your home, home computer, and it all interlinks together. The thing that's amazing about it, now you do have to buy the little, you know, $10 for this Bible and $15 for this enhanced, but it comes with so many things, and it's amazing. If you touch the verse number, I had to actually send them a support ticket to find out, because I wanted to know if... If I have eight translations and I want to highlight a verse, is there a way for that highlighted verse to be highlighted in all eight translations? And the answer was yes. And it follows you over to your laptop, your PC, and all the applications are free, and it comes with a lot of free stuff. But, you know, you, you, you're you going to want to add a few things. But it's, but it's really, when you think about it, I, I don't think I spent even $100 over a period of three or four years to get the collection of books that I have in my Olive Tree software. Um, and it's amazing because I can jump from translation to translation and see the highlighted top favorite verses. And, and you can do parallel studies and things like that. It's really, really quite impressive. Praise God. And it comes with the um, what's called the Olive Tree Enhanced Strong's Bible Dictionary. So it combines the enhanced strongs with a Bible dictionary and a lexicon and oh wow and the drill down features that it has you can you know you touch this I one of the Bibles that you can get is the, called called the New King James I was so happy they had this it was called the New King James Plus Strongs well it was like ten bucks or something maybe fifteen but what's so cool about it is when you're reading it you can just touch the word. And it explodes forward. Um, you touch the word, and it shows you the Strong's definition. It shows you lexicon references. It shows you the the. It's not just a regular Strong's. It's truly an enhanced Strong's plus a Bible dictionary together. And the the expansion of the understanding of the word is beyond. It, it's astonishing. Anyway, all that being said, God has shown me some amazing mysteries in the Bible through that software. I really should use it more often. Um, I guess I would if I wasn't going through hurricanes and beatings all the time. And I got some other stuff. for It's queued up for me, folks. I got a job that I got to do. It's not something that I, I'm not really, I mean, I am qualified to do it, but they're flying me out to Phoenix, which, of course, is like my least favorite place in the whole world. It's like hell on earth. You, you know, not this time of the year. It won't be so bad. But there are times of the year when you walk across, you know, you, you can literally walk two blocks down the street in Phoenix and feel like God is holding a magnifying glass over you and burning you like an ant. It's too, way too hot. Hot as hell. Anyway, um, well, not as hot as hell, but doggone close. Plus, I have to fly a two-leg trip because ever since the pandemic, all the direct flights from Tampa are pretty much gone with the exception of a few that go just up, up. They go north and south and north and south. And if you're going, like if I want to fly to Baltimore or if I want to fly to Boston, I can get a direct flight. But as soon as I cross over, a, you know, like a time zone, 
I mean, that's not the case for every single city, but it's a case for the vast majority of them. And now it's two-legged flights. And what does that mean? Well, it means that when you're in the air and you're hoping to get your connecting flight, and it's a very, very, very long flight. We're talking about flight. the amount of time that you spend in the airport from the second that you leave your house to the time, the moment that you arrive into your hotel room, and then with the jet lag going across the country and the times changing, you, you're arriving at you know, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, but it's really 6 p.m. for you. And now, you know, if you're over 60, you know, and then, of course, out of shape like me, it's devastating. And what's worse is they want me to, to attend a celebratory dinner and all this other stuff. I told him, I said, I'm, I may not be in the physical, and, you know, I have to be careful what I say and how I say it, but I told him I may not be able to attend, and please forgive me. So they, you know, they're going to have a, a plate for me at this fine restaurant, but, and you might say, oh, what a wonderful thing to go through, but you don't understand. The, I, I, I'll, I'll fill in the, I'll just mention this. My company is going through a lot of change. There are different departments that are consuming others, and as a result, there are people that are being kicked to the streets. And to make this even more challenging, I'm being asked to do something that in 26 years of consulting and specializations in the areas which I specialize, I've never heard of anybody doing and in, in, I've never even heard of it. And they want me to do it. And to, you know, I guess it's God's will because my leadership tried desperately to contact all of the people that were involved in this particular gig. And it turns out that the $9 billion corporation, that the person that's in charge, um, likes me a lot. (laughs) So when they tried to contact her and let her know that I was already, you know, buried under an impossible amount of work it was the answer the the response was nothing doing this nine billion dollar client wants john to come period end of story no negotiation no negotiation which i guess considering that the very organization within mine that is consuming <laughs> the other departments is going to be there. So they're aware that this particular $9 billion client asked for me by name. So I suppose that's a good thing. Although, really, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know, it's just so hard. And then to make matters even worse, there's public speaking involved, and I'm not, a, I'm just, it's just not my thing. If I'm sitting, I can sit in a room at the same level. You know, if there's like a big round table of push together, I can talk to 30, 40, 50 people, no problem, for days. I can do whiteboard conversations and draw diagrams and discuss all kinds of stuff. But you put me up on a stage (laughs) and you you take them to that same 35 or 50 people or whatever. And then to make matters even worse, the senior leadership of the uh, other department that so many are afraid of are going to be there critiquing and looking and thinking things. So if I dork up, if I look uncomfortable, if I fumble, I'm a dead man. But on the flip side of that, 
if I truly trust God, then it's going to go really well. Because obviously, it must be God's will. Uh, Anyway, that doesn't mean that I'm going to sleep like a baby. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so on that note, hallelujah, praise you, Lord. I'm going to do the best I can to share with you something that I believe will bless you. Um, but it is a little bit complicated to connect all the dots. When all the dots are connected, some of them will be very easy. You'll be like, wow, that's amazing. I was wild. I, I, look, I, was, I went through hell in the last three days. I mean, it, it seemed like hell, but I know it wasn't that bad. But I'm just saying it's a vigorous speech. Very little sleep. Extremely – I mean, I had multiple departments where I work grabbing – analogously grabbing my arms, pulling me into meetings, and I am trying to evacuate because my life is potentially at stake. But I couldn't get out. And then finally, at at the last minute, I had to really put my foot down and tell some people that were grabbing my arm and pulling it. Even though I was told by senior directors, get out, get out. And they sent emails out and said, John is going to, you know, you know let him go. He's going. Don't, don't leave him alone. <laughs> now, of course, the emails didn't go out to every single department, and not everybody was aware. And not everybody knows where I live. So, you know, it gets a little complicated, and I finally had to, like, put my foot down because I was running out of time. So the journey of attempting to weave together this amazing story, which, it, again, to me, it's really amazing to look back on it. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Like I said, when you're going through hell or, you know, I'm using it figuratively, when you're going through extreme trials and tribulations, you definitely do not see. You'll have massive frustration. You'll probably not act as righteous as you ought to. You won't, you'll lack humility. You'll get exceedingly angry. Um, all the kinds of things that we're not supposed to do. Because if we were truly like Jesus and we understood why we were going through those things, we would be praising the pain away. We would be praising God and trusting him. We would be knowing that we were going through a test. We would be trying to learn from that test. And we we would be devoid of frustrations, anger, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that you won't be fatigued, but you should be at peace. And when you fail a test, you have to take it again. Um, I pray in Jesus' name that I don't have to take this particular one again, but I have a, I'm certain as can, certain can be that I have a, plenty more to go. And for those of you who are going through various things and maybe even coming out on the rosy side of your trial and tribulation after years of misery or whatever... Just be advised. It's highly likely you're going to go through more. I know that you don't want to hear that right now. When, you get, when you're able to come up for air after severe beatings and going through horrible, horrible things, um, the last thing you want to think about is having to go through it again in some other fashion to learn yet another lesson for some reason. Which, by the way, the answer to why we... This cycle of stuff, dark, hard trials and tribulations, 
I'm just going to have to use that term trials and tribulations because the fact of the matter is there's no you can't you have to use it as a generality because to one person is a divorce or you know a it's not that you're wanting you know it's not that you're you're not it's the other person cheating on you or whatever the case may be or whatever the hardship is that you're going through treating you like dirt whatever this all the stuff just have to call it trials and tribulations. I'm just, but I want you to understand before, as I use it as, as I say those words, trials and tribulations. Please understand that as you, re, when when you haven't gone through the real stuff, the stuff that's eternity changing, because the real stuff is horrible. Our Father, you know, there is that scripture, you know, that says that God won't give you anything that you can't handle. But I, I don't agree with that. I believe that there's more to that meaning. I, I think that the level that we take that meaning at is total apost- apostasy, like Solomon. There are those out there who are, you know, who are, you know, fit the definition of the verse and the scripture. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. You can. Where it says, um, when a ways when a man's ways brings him to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. A lot of people that are pushed. Now, what does that mean? A man's ways brings his way to ruin. His heart rages against the Lord. What about a person who whose faith is shaken because God allowed that to happen? And they get angry and they turn against God. Their faith is gone. Well, think about it. When a man's ways bring them to ruin, that person's faith was not strong enough to endure. So God's going to have to put them through a whole bunch of ugly. They, they may not realize it, and they could choose the path of Solomon. And they might end up in the pit. Which, by the way, that's why I'm always begging for prayer, <laughs> because I know I'm imperfect in the way that I handle a lot of these things. It's a journey. Okay. So that sets the foundation of the journey that I'm going to take you on right now. Praise God. First, I want to share with you that in the year 2004, in the state of Florida, there were four hurricanes that changed Florida forever. Prior to 2004, companies like Allstate and Nationwide is on your side and all that kind of stuff were selling homeowners insurance policies. After 2004 and four big hurricanes hitting the state of Florida all within about three months of time. The nationwide are on your side said, we're out of here, and they left. The State Insurance Commission went crazy because you can't, nobody's going to sell you a mortgage, and nobody's going to buy a house. In, there's regulations in the industry that require the lender to insure the property through you. 
So in the mass exodus of insurance companies, the Florida State Insurance Commission and the governor fell to their knees and said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't go. And uh, they created a citizen's thing, which was like SR-22 insurance, and many people lost their houses because the that insurance was so expensive that their mortgage payments doubled, and they had to either sell immediately, go somewhere else to live, or they lost their houses in some cases because they couldn't sell. And I say in some cases, but it was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of foreclosures. Hurricane Charlie came around the bottom tip across the Keys, circled around and started to head north with its plotted trajectory pointing directly at Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida has not been hit by a direct hurricane since 1922, which means its infrastructure is fragile. Because what happens is it's not a dig against the electric companies, although a lot of people consider it, you know, they have those evil electric companies, but they don't really understand risk management. They don't really understand civil engineering. They don't really understand tax bases, per capita, uh, density of population. They don't get all those things. They don't understand how the electrical system is hooked together. They don't realize, they think that, oh, it, oh, it all rides on a telephone pole. No, it doesn't. The way it works, and this is a really sophomoric, freshman-like explanation, but essentially the cables, the electrical cables that come from the power plants are extremely huge. They require multiple men and equipment, heavy machinery to run them. And the cables, they're, they're larger than the Hulk Hogan's arm. These things are heavy. And it's copper. And they have to run them underground. You can't hang them from a telephone pole. The telephone pole just collapses. And there's all kinds of fancy gizmos and gadgets and breakers and whatever to protect the system from blowing up and frying. Because if it blows up and fries, what happens is uh, people are cut off. They have to replace those gigantic cables. Because even a cable the size of Hulk Hogan's arm can fry if there's enough amperage, which there is, because it's coming right off of the major uh, power plants. In the state of Florida, that is especially complicated because it's a sandbar. In New York, it's not such a big deal because they have underground tunnels all over the place, and they can run as many gigantic cables as they want to distribute to distribute the power plant power so that at some point it comes to a junction building, and that's where all the telephone poles come out of, you know, the wires. And there's lots of those buildings. They're distribution points and substations and such. When a water surge comes up over the top of a sandbar that only that has these humongous cables and this infrastructure of exceedingly high voltage, high amperage equipment that has to be put together by large equipment and, a, and highly paid, especially skilled labor, that there's very few people certified to do, very few. When a storm surge comes up over that area, what happens is it fills those underground, I don't know what you want to call them, channels, walkways. They're not that far down because Florida, it would fill with water because it's a sandbar. 
So they have to fortify it and waterproof it as much as they can. But when you have storm surge come up over it, it fills those conduits, which are just big enough for a man to get down into to work on it, and some heavy equipment to lift the cables. It fills them up rather quickly. Nobody wants to have their electricity turned off proactively. Storm surge comes up over, fills up all the incredible high voltage. We're talking about tens of gigawatts. I mean, you know, amperages that are immeasurable, unbelievable amounts of power and these giant cables. And when the water surge comes up over it, it fills up and it literally blows to heck, blows to hell, uh, the whole system. So there are going to be sections in even Tampa, which was over 100 miles away from Ian, that are going to be without power. Now, when I say Tampa, I'm referring to the Tampa Bay area, which is actually serviced by a couple different major power companies. One of them, Florida Power and Law, replace, not repair, but replace. And by the way, when they made that announcement, they made the announcement publicly. They made the announcement on Twitter, on their own site, and they actually showed photographs of the men inside these underground conduits. And they said, we're sorry, but it's going to take us a really, really long time to restore your power because we're going to have to replace it, not just reconnect it. We, in our, you know, what little we know about these things, we think of it as, oh, look, a transformer just blew up on a telephone pole. That ought to take them about 15 minutes to fix. Never mind that there's like 40,000 of them that blew. But when it happens to the to the major power pipelines that come off of the power plants because of the storm surge, and then they have to go in and replace it because it literally fried everything. The amount of time that somebody can be without power is six months to a year. Florida Power and Light making this announcement. I am not certain of this, but I'm pretty sure that the only area that they service is right here in the Tampa Bay area. The Tampa Bay area is made up of Tampa, Clearwater, Pinellas. So it's Pinellas County, which includes uh, St. Pete and St. Pete Beach and Clearwater Beach and Clearwater and, and also Tampa. That makes up what's known as the Tampa Bay area. 100 miles north of where this massive hurricane entered land. Even though the Tampa Bay area is 100 miles north, there are going to be people that are without power for a very, very, very long time. And I can tell you, after four days of being without power, after Hurricane Irma went by Florida, 100 miles to the east, I thought I was... I thought I was going to lose it. The temperature in my house, maybe it's built on top of a super volcano. I have no idea. But for some reason, the temperature in my house jumps up to about 110 to 115 degrees inside. You can't sleep. Oh, I was determined to sleep in my bed. Let me tell you what. It's not possible. And then this, the unbelievable clinical level of fatigue that sets in. I mean, it's it's... I mean, they use it to torture people. You know, sleep deprivation is used to torture people. 
And believe me, it is torture. Long story short, when I saw my fish, I didn't know that fish tanks needed to have um, constant movement of aeration of the water because the fish will consume the air in the water and then they start to die. They start to go up to the top of the water and gulp for air. And when I saw that happening, then I was like, okay, that, I, you know, I, would, I was already on day three by then. I didn't even know a 50-foot palm tree I did in my house. I didn't even know it. There was so much debris to clean up. It took three days, and the stack was unbelievable. It was like five foot tall, and at least 15 to 20 feet long. And it took them, as I recall, it took them about three months to come and pick it up because there was that much debris everywhere. They just they were overwhelmed. There, were just, there weren't enough trucks. They, they were even bringing in trucks from other counties to help. It still took three months. Um, and that was just getting grazed by Irma. So back to Charlie. I was living seeped in sin, once saved, always saved. It was before I started, before the Lord smacked me on the head and shoved me back in the direction of the narrow path through a very traumatic event. That's what it takes usually. And um, and then, of course, I threw myself after going through that, I threw myself completely in. I was, boy, I chased the Lord like crazy at that point. It was, it was a turning. It was the turning point. Um, but in 2004, I was, I was not there. In fact, I don't think it was until 2005 that I even realized that 9-11 was an inside job. Nearing AE 9-11 Truth and Richard Gage's presentation of the squibs doing a controlled demolition of all of the buildings and doing it in slow motion so you could see the explosions occurring in perfect order. And then it was undeniable to anybody that had any kind of intellectual capacity whatsoever. And that opened up the Pandora's box. But in 2004, I hadn't arrived at that point yet. I was close to it. Charlie made a circle and started to head up toward Tampa. And I knew the history of Tampa. I knew that Tampa had not got, got a direct hit since 1922, which means that its infrastructure was over 100 years old. It, it, they, they had no reason to do any replacement of telephone poles or anything else under the sun because, well, from a risk management standpoint, Tampa just never got hit. And so to this day, the above-ground infrastructure of Tampa, the telephone poles, there are telephone poles to this day that I drive down the road, and they are literally leaning over. <laughs> Because they're not going to change out that pole. If, they, if they, that pole is steady enough, strong enough, when they go and do their little inspections, even though it's like cockeyed, um, it, they're they're not going to replace it with a steel pole. It just doesn't make logical money sense. They have too many other things that they have to fix with the tax money, which is limited. You got to prioritize. And I know also that. From some boating time that I spent on Tampa Bay, it's very most of it is shallow, although there's some dredged out areas that allow the big Maersk liners to bring the shipping containers up to the uh, port of Tampa and some cruise ships. But they have to stay very close to the this very you know, they gotta have what's called harbor pilots and the harbor pilots make sure these gigantic ships don't run aground and blah 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 blah. But as a as a general rule, Tampa Bay is relatively shallow. 
until you start getting down to the Sunshine Skyway Bridge and opening it up into the Gulf of Mexico. The, um, the reason I bring that up is because when the eye of the hurricane arrives just north of Tampa Bay's opening, which feeds into the Gulf of Mexico, if the eye of the hurricane, which, by the way, is spinning counterclockwise, if the eye of the hurricane hits north, just north of the opening to Tampa Bay, which was the exact trajectory of Ian. So even though Charlie's trajectory wasn't quite as precisely, you know, catastrophic, everybody was panicking. I mean, there were fights in Lowe's and fights in Home Depot. People were punching each other out over trying to get a hold of a piece of plywood. It was absolute horrific panic. I never left my house, but that's part of the testimony, and it's rather an amazing testimony, I think. But I wanted to set the frame, the groundwork, because of the counterclockwise direction and the fact that the eye was projected to land just north of Tampa Bay, the storm surge would have literally taken the entire bay, which is rather large, And I, the, I, I tried to help somebody to understand this by saying, look, imagine you have this really, really big dog bowl, you know, or just imagine a mixer bowl that you would put on your KitchenAid at Thanksgiving or whatever. And you just take that whole bowl of water, you put it in the middle of your carpet, and you just dump it over. And you look how far the water goes as it runs through your carpet and all that. Because that's what would have happened. It, that powerful wind coming around would have grabbed that water and just taken the entire Tampa Bay and dumped it on the city of Tampa. The storm surge could have easily hit 20 feet in a snap. And as a matter of fact, there were some places down south of here where they did have those, that level of storm surge. Now, most of it was lower than that. It was around 7 to 8 feet, which is horrible. But there were some spots that were closer to you know 20. So it does happen especially if that powerful hurricane's eye falls just north of the bay's opening. If you look on the Internet for uh, hurricane evacuation, this is what you would type, hurricane evacuation zones, Tampa, Florida. And then you go to the images section of your search, and you look at the amount of red, which is the evacuation zone A, that is the area that is guaranteed to go underwater. And in when you look at that map, it will blow your mind because you are looking at hundreds of thousands of people and houses and buildings. And that's just evacuation zone A. Never mind B, C, and D. I'm on the edge of D. But the power outage is horrible. Your gas doesn't run in the generator very long, and if you have solar, forget about it. It's going to run out. That ain't going to do you no good. I I can design a solar solar panel system in a snap. I have the skills. And I can tell you that I was going to, but a $10,000 off-grid system, you'll be lucky if you can run a fan, a light, and maybe keep some things frozen in your freezer, small TV and a radio. That's about it. 
And not very long either. It'll go out pretty quick because once the solar system hits 65% uh, drop in, in battery power, the charge controller shuts the whole system off and everything goes dark. So what do you do? You put gasoline, you know, you buy tank, you know, gas. You put it in five-gallon containers. You put up cinder blocks along the outside of your house because, you know, fire, you don't want anything bad to happen. And then, of course, you, if you're like me and you're, you know, you feel sorry for people who are poor and down and out, and you give them odd jobs, they steal your gas. <laughs> so when you actually need it, it's not there, right? Hallelujah. I was so busy during this Ian event with my being on, you know, under the bot on the bottom of the Mariana Trench, analogously, that I didn't see Ian coming. And it had been a long time because, you know, Irma was August of 2017. So the whole thing completely caught me off guard. I was too busy being busy, trying to keep my job, doing prayer vigils, doing radio shows, doing all that kind of stuff. On you know all the stuff that comes with, and I live by myself, and I've got two dogs, and you know if I got to fly to Phoenix, it's like an absolute nightmare trying to find somebody that's going to watch my house. That's dependable. The one person that the Lord did hook me up with, who was a Christian that would watch my house and was going to watch my house for my trip to Phoenix, has disappeared. Last I heard from her was on the phone. She had not yet gone to see if her trailer was still there. I tried to call her and went straight into voicemail, which means that the phone is without power and I have no idea. Now I have nobody to watch my house. We've got about 10 days or so before I have to find somebody. My ex-wife will stop by and pat them on the head and make sure they got food, but they're basically trapped and dismayed and freaked out and pooping and peeing all over the place. <laughs> it's just a mess. That's just the kind of thing you want to come home to at 2 o'clock in the morning after a horribly long, miserable flight. Two-legged flight, by the way. Anyway, so, but I'm trusting God. God will take care of it. I, I just know that he will. Charlie comes around the corner. Charlie makes a right-hand turn into Punta Gorda. Now, this was when everybody's freaking out. I mean, people were just freaking out. There, it, you know, it was not, and and uh, it when that occurred, I want you to know this. This is the most important thing to understand. Yeah, well, not the most important thing, but a very important part of the puzzle. When Charlie made the right-hand turn into Punta Gorda in 2004, we celebrated. It wasn't because we were celebrating that Punta Gorda was going to get hit. It was that we knew, some of us knew, a little bit about hurricanes. And, we, and you know, even if you get the basics, if you don't, like now I know like 10 times more than I did then. I've been here for 37 years, and I can tell you that I've deal, dealt with a lot of hurricanes. But it takes a long time to learn what I know now. But it's important to note that when Charlie did make that right-hand turn and we were all celebrating it was beautiful and sunny here. It was like Jamaica with the most calm blue seas. We were cooking out, swimming, very nice. No sign of wind whatsoever. Category 4 Hurricane Charlie went in, decimated Punta Gorda, 
And the folks in Tampa were going about life, listening to Jimmy Buffett, hanging out at Bahama Breeze. Not this year. And not during Irma either. During Irma, for those of you who were around for the, during that time, Brother Jose was co-hosting with me, and he lived about an hour north of here in a town called Brooksville. And we did Hurricane Irma I mean north that it was having to fall on a show night. So we just figured, what the heck? Praise God. So we did it. But what happened prior to Hurricane Irma? Well, Hurricane Irma came around the corner. Once again, it was pointing directly at Tampa. Now, I'm not saying that it was had the same scary trajectory and I positioning that Ian had. But it was pointing at Tampa. And it was big. And it was a monster. And the, and all the meteorologists were going, oh, my gosh, we've never seen anything like that. And, oh, my gosh, you know, it's like humongous monster hurricane kind of thing. There's a reason for that. It's called Planet X. We are so close. Planet X is the sign of the Son of Man. It's in the Bible in Matthew 24, verse 29. And they will see the sign of the Son of Man. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn. doesn't say anything about seeing the Son of Man. It says they will see the sign of of the Son of Man. And that is Planet X. Nibiru. Nemesis. Call it whatever you want. The Destroyer. Okay? But it is not the appointed time, whatever that time is, for us to actually see it. Sarah Manet saw it in her vision from 1979, so it's actually spoken of there. Uh, Dr. David O'Rourke in several of his prophecies was shown a, you know, plant. Planet, he, he was shown actually multiple planetoids that were to some degree visible and said they were, you know, it, it, it just confirms everything. And so we know, it, you know, that's not even debatable. We know exactly why these things are happening. And it has nothing to do with global warming. And quite frankly, based upon the current, I mean, just look around the world. If they told everybody that a giant meteor, an extinction-level event meteor was heading toward the Earth right now. It would be just like in the movies. It would just be like in a war of the worlds. People would be shooting at each other, killing each other, uh, beating each other to death for a car to drive away to some secret hiding place that they thought they were going to bug out to. Shooting, just murder, mass murder. Because that's how demonically controlled the population of the Earth is. And really, Christians are in that same group. Now, those are little C Christians, but they don't know any better. And there's a lot of blind leading the blind there, but we all know that. So there's a lot of truth to the idea that you don't really want to tell the mass pop, the mass public. You know, people are like indignant. Oh, how, how dare they not tell us about Planet X? <laughs> right? Well, look at the population and how they behave. Look at how a fistfight can easily break out over a stupid piece of plywood. When in reality, the risk that you're taking to put the plywood up on your second story is far greater than the risk of the hurricane blowing your roof off. But 
you got to grow up a little bit. You got to get smarter than the hurricane sometimes. I wanted to tell, talk, mention Charlie because I wanted to juxtapose the fact that we are dealing right now with what I would call monster apocalyptic level hurricanes. Ian was referred to by Governor DeSantis as a 500-year event. Now, what does that mean? Were they tracking hurricanes 500 years ago? I don't think so. That was a tactful political way of saying that we have never seen anything like this in the history of the world. The reason why people equate Katrina as being, you know, such a horrible event was because the levee broke, and many believe, probably rightfully so, that it was blown by explosives because there were live witnesses that testified to it. They heard the explosions. The levee broke. And uh, New Orleans was flooded. Nine nine Toward was a nightmare. And they got to test the black ops and the um, contract military. They got to test their ability to take the weapons away from the people, which is fine. For me, the more people that, more weapons they take away, the more chances there are Christians that might actually make it into heaven. But anyway, um, it's important to understand that we're dealing with monster apocalyptic hurricanes. Why is that important? Because it is associated with the sign of the Son of Man. It is confirmation beyond any shadow of a doubt that we are so close, so very, very close. The, The evidence that we are so very, very close is overwhelming. Jury dismissed. But be careful because there's no definition for the word soon. In the grand scheme of things, though, compared to where we were five years ago, we are really, really, really close. But I think most people know that. And we see a lot more people, a lot more people singing praise songs, a lot more YouTube channels doing singing praises, and a lot more Hebrews over in Israel singing praises and, and doing really good jobs, you know, and even praising Jesus in some cases. Wonderful. So people are waking up. That's good. Praise God. Let's hope they wake up as much as they need to, right? Because the foolish rudeness had to go and buy more oil, so they had to stay. Now, so how did this all work out together? Well, during Hurricane Irma, I we did a prayer vigil. For those of you, some some of you may have been here. Most of you probably not, because that's just how things work. People come and go. I was told by some people that were absolutely, would not miss a radio show, that are still my friends. They said, I just, my job, and I don't have that kind of time. They would rather me do a a 30-minute show. If I did a 30-minute show, they would listen, you know, every single one takes over, they figure they've come to the place that they need to be, and, you know, they, they'll still stay my friends and send text messages, and we'll talk and stuff. But, you know, they'll invariably ask me something, and I'll be, like, thinking to myself, you know, I've only talked about that 30 times in the last six months, but, yeah, I'll help them out. It's fine. It's all right. Praise God. We're all in our own situations, and there's no expectation on my part that anybody would bother to listen. That's fine. It's up to God. 
I do this for the Lord. I do this for the people. Praise God. And I hope that the advancement of our understanding is something that will bless those who are advanced enough to really be blessed by it and to be able to take full advantage of the beatings that I've gone through to make me qualified to be able to speak on it experientially. Because otherwise, God couldn't use me. If I wasn't, if I didn't take the beating up front, I couldn't learn the lesson. And if I didn't learn the lesson, I could not share the lesson with those that listen or want to hear or want to grow. And there's no limit to how much you can grow. And the more that you grow, potentially, as long as everything that you do, think and say and feel comes out of love, the rewards are eternal and incredible and can't be quantified. Because no ear is, you know, no eye has seen or ear heard the things that God will do for those who love him. Which means that even the people who have truly been taken to heaven and seen amazing things, Angelica Zambrano would be one I would hold up for sure. Wonderful testimony there. And the more popular testimonies, I can tell you, they're not going to heaven. I didn't know that years ago. I them on the program multiple times but they did not go to the real heaven. They say things like, uh, oh, the Queen of England, I saw them in heaven. And I'm like, you did, did you? <laughs> no, you didn't. And he saw them in a mock-up to deceive the masses. Praise God. So anyway, um, so... During Hurricane Irma, as it was coming, this is the first of the monster apocalyptic hurricanes, the first of the Planet X hurricanes. Irma came around the corner, trajectory pointing to Tampa. We had a prayer vigil, or I did a prayer vigil, and I, and I prayed with whoever was praying with me, because I'm just sitting here in a dark room right now. And... Um, uh, we prayed against it, you know, and, and fervently, you know, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we command that hurricane to go ashore. Because here's the thing. Think about it like this. You can think about it without wisdom, or you can think about it with wisdom. When you're, when you're traveling around the countryside and you're driving through Vermont or Pennsylvania or the Denver area or whatever the case, when you go up over the top of a mountain on the freeway and you go up and you're coming down the other side, one of the things that you will notice if you pay attention is you will see these off ramps that just end up into a, they just, it's a dirt road that goes off the side. It doesn't have an exit sign or anything. And it, it's just a dirt road and it just shoots down off to the right of the freeway. And it ends up hitting a big pile of dirt. Why are they there? For trucks whose braking systems have failed. Because you can't use the um, Jake brake very often. It overheats and causes problems. And then the truck can't be stopped. It's got a runaway truck. Well, when you've got a runaway 18-wheeler and a family of four in front of you, what's going to happen? Okay, there you go. So there's your analogy to explain why the smart thing to do as a good Christian is to get that doggone hurricane by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to hit land as soon as possible. You want to run the truck down the ramp and get it to 
stop before it kills more people. And that's what we did. We prayed fervently on the prayer vigil and commanded Irma to go inland, even though a thousand of the spaghetti models and the supercomputers that were plotting it and everything were 100% positive, just like with Ian, that it was going to hit Tampa. For, for more than 48 hours, the trajectory was a dead kill shot for Tampa. And it got, you know, it, it, the more it was updated, the more it went after Tampa, <clears throat> which is a worst case scenario. Anyway, for with Irma, with Irma, that was not the case. It, 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 there, there were some trajectory, re, you know, recalculations, et cetera. But anyway, we were on the prayer vigil. It was just coming around uh, past Key West, et cetera. And we commanded it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ with some mighty fervent prayer to go inland immediately so that it would disintegrate. It hit Naples, caused a lot of devastation. Naples is uh, the Hollywood of Florida, so there's an awful lot of homosexuality and sin down there. Interesting that the Lord chose that entry point. And, um, and, and of course, they rebuilt Naples, and now it's even more Sin City. Wealthy people, sex parties, things like that, you know. But anyway... Um, Irma turned in, hit Naples, went into the center of the state, and then when it hit the center of the state, it made a hard left and went straight up the center of the state, right up the peninsula, straight north. That has never happened before in the history of the world. The hurricane has never made an L-shaped path, ever, ever. And we were doing the radio show, myself and Jose, praise God for those of you who remember. I, you know, I, I, again, I was, you know, what did I know? I was used to regular hurricanes, you know? I didn't know this was a monster apocalyptic hurricane coming up. And that thing maintained a Category 2 strength. I think it was downgraded to a Cat 1 by the time it was going past Florida. But it was a monster apocalyptic hurricane. you got to understand, when it's a monster apocalyptic, God-judgment-type hurricane. The categorization scale, which has a fancy name, and I forget what it is, but I don't care. too tired to care. But it doesn't count anymore. I mean, it does count, but it doesn't really capture the impact of the storm. Because... You know, they, so what happens is the meteorologists don't know how to put it into words. They can All they can say is it's a Cat 4, you know, because of the wind speeds. That's the only thing that they have. To, to count. They don't consider how wide it is. They don't consider a lot of things because they don't know how to. The system of categorizing hurricanes doesn't cover all that stuff. They've never had apocalyptic hurricanes. So they say things like, DeSantis did. It's a once in a 500 year event. <laughs> okay. It's, you know, it's, you can't explain it. So Irma comes up, passes by Tampa. I'm thinking, you know, hey, it's a cat one. It's not going to be that big a deal. You know, I went around my property. I didn't know anything about holy fire, calling down angels. I, I was just learning things. And, um, 
I went and anointed every one of my trees around my property, which was a lot, um, and uh, you know, and commanded them to, you know, in Jesus' name, uh, you know, to to not break and you know all your branches, you know, sort of like Jesus when he was talking to the fig tree kind of thing, right? And I, I did that and walked around and uh, and touched all the trees. I didn't go into my neighbor's yard, which was where the 50-foot palm tree was that fell as Irma was going by. I was live on the air, by the way, and I had my headset on. And I remember, i got to pull up that, that show. I ought to play that show as a rerun. Because during the program, I remember Jose and I were going back and forth, back and forth, this, that, and the other thing. Boy, that's a lot of wind, yada, yada, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, the house, my house shook. And it was like an earthquake. It really was. It was like, and I was like, what was that? I was live on the air, and I was like, what was that? The whole house shook. I didn't even know until about three days later because the amount of debris that had to be cleaned up and the fact that we didn't have power and I couldn't sleep. The fish were dying that um, that tree had hit my house. The tree hit my house. I actually have the photograph, and I put it in one of the emails that I sent out. So for those of you who get the emails, you've already seen the tree on the side of my house. That tree hit directly above where I was sitting doing the radio show with Jose. It hit the top of my ham radio antenna, which broke its ability to crash through the roof, the roof of the house and kill me. The ham radio tower that it that was made of solid steel and mounted in concrete, um, it hit the antenna and came down and hit the top of the tower, and that's what literally broke the fall. It absolutely destroyed the antenna. And um, I, anyway, um, I like I said, I didn't even know it happened because it's on the side of my house that I don't – I never go to that side of the house. There's nothing over there for me to do. It was the sound of wood chippers and cranes that caught my attention three days into the power outage, and I went investigating and was absolutely blown away because it should have crushed me and killed me, but it didn't. But we prayed, and Hurricane Irma, the monster apocalyptic hurricane, turned right, went over to Florida Sin City, which is right up there with uh, Key West, and then made a left, never before in the history of the world. And I learned what it was like to be without power for a long time, and it's horrible. I think total time was about four days, almost. And... um. Once I saw my fish starting to die, I had figured out a way to open up the front door and the back door and to roll a recliner in the downstairs so that I could get a tiny little breeze and actually catch some sleep. But it took me until about day three before I figured that out. Um, All living by myself with my dogs. But when I saw the fish starting to die, I was like, because I, I was ignorant and I didn't know that when they start, that they would start to go gulp. So a couple of days later, they run out of air and they start to gulp for air at the top of the tank. And I knew they were dying. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Because I was really into my fish at that time. Um, 
At that point, I freaked out. I went out into the garage, and I unburied my generator that I took no care of. And I pulled it out, and by a miracle of Jesus, I was able to actually get the thing started. And it was one of the most beautiful sounds I ever heard in my life. Starting up a Briggs & Stratton 6500 KW generator after three days of no power. My neighbor came over holding a orange multi-hundred foot power cord in his hand and asked me, would you mind if I plugged in? My mother's over in the house and all of our food is going bad. I said, of course, plug in. He was like, thank you, thank you. How could I say no? Even though that extra plug causes the gas inside the generator to burn twice as fast. And of course, I don't know what he has on the other side. He could be using four times the amount of power that I was using. But it's none of my business. What my business is is to be like Jesus. If you're like Jesus, you don't ask yourself, why does that homeless person have a new pair of shoes? If you're a crummy Christian, you're going to say, oh, they're a bunch of shysters. It's not our business to be worried about it. It's our business to be like Jesus. If Jesus ignored every sinner when he was on the earth that he had ministered to, then there would be really no point for him to come to the earth in the first place, would there? So anyway, that's the Irma piece. So commanded it, moved it, and experienced a type of hell on earth. It was horrible. And got the generator running, and then about a day later, the power came up. And boy, there was a celebration. You can't run the generator constantly, by the way. You have to run it in spurts, you know, because otherwise your gas will run out real fast. Five gallons will run a generator for maybe 24 hours continuously, depending on what the load is. How many things do you plug into it? All I wanted to do was plug in my – I wanted a light, a fan, a real fan that kicked out some air, and, you know, not one running on a D-cell battery. And um, I wanted the fish tank to be running. And I wanted to, I, well, I wanted some, you know, one of the refrigerators to be saving the food. That's it. And boy, that was a blessing. I had orange um, extension cords going upstairs, upstairs, downstairs, to the left, to the right. I mean, there's a whole, you know, whatever. But it was a horrible thing to go through. Really horrible. And that was only four days. Because of Ian. There will be people out of power for months. Months. With no place to go and no insurance to pay for the hotel. And not enough money to pay for the hotel you know, in the bank. And they're going to go through hell for months. And that is 100 miles away from where Ian hit landfall. So compared to Irma... It is my opinion that Ian was many times a magnitude more powerful and dangerous than Irma. And the devastation and destruction indicates it. Ian, I was all by myself. I'm always all by myself. Always. Praise God. Whatever. And, um, And that makes it 
you know, it doesn't make it any more scary. For some people, it would be because you have a codependency with your spouse and people that you know, and you depend on them. It's a codependency thing. But after you, after a while, you, the codependency goes away, and you learn to live by yourself, and you just have to start trusting God to help you deal with stuff. Well, I was going to do a show with uh, Lauren Peterson for Ian, but as, as I was watching it, I was watching. You know, you have to understand. I, I'm, 20,000 leagues under the sea at work. I'm trying to save my job. I'm under incredible pressure. I got to do the radio shows. I wanted to go ahead and do one with Peterson and not cancel it. But I was watching this monster coming around the corner. So I believe it was Tuesday morning. I was up at about 4 o'clock in the morning. I took communion. I prayed for as I do on on this program, I prayed using spiritual warfare prayers uh, for uh, a couple of continents of people praying for dreams and visions and angels to come upon them, the whole thing that we do here on this program regularly. And then, by myself, and believe me, I am not, I, this is where I was warning in the be- beginning of the testimony that Please don't look at this as a puffed-up thing like I think that I have some kind of superpower because I definitely don't. Now, we all technically do have superpowers because we have the power of Jesus Christ because Ephesians 3.20 really nails it by saying, Unto him who, who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So we all have the power of Jesus Christ. We can talk to the mountain. We can move the mountain, cast it in to see if we have enough faith. Was it me and me alone? I doubt it. But what I did was, by myself, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming right for Tampa. By now, it's probably about 4.30, in the, 4.30 a.m., and I literally turned toward the hurricane in my bedroom and at the top of my lungs, because I know, I don't care what anybody says, the fervent, effective prayers of a righteous man avails much. And the scripture, you know, there, there are pastors out there that have said things, even on the show. Well, we tried yelling and screaming and using these and thous, and it didn't make any difference. Well, I'm here to tell you the scripture says otherwise. Second Kings 20, verse 5, I have seen your tears and I will answer you. If King Hezekiah wasn't crying alligator tears to God, God would have said, you're going to die anyway. You're obviously not really into this request. I turned to the direction of the hurricane in my dark bedroom by my prayer area. And at the top of my lungs, I commanded that thing to go inland. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you, turn inland. Turn inland now in Jesus' name. I command it. I mean, I had my hands in the air. I was pointing at that thing, just like you see on the YouTubes when a tornado is heading to somebody's house, and they're like, in Jesus' name, get off! And, that, and the, you know, the, the tornado jumps up over their house, and they're like, yay! Well, that was me. And um, Oh, goodness gracious. My phone has decided to record every word. All right. I must have said some magic word or something, these stupid devices. But anyway, so I, 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 I commanded it fervently with great authority to turn inland. I also 
prayed. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I declare and I decree in Jesus' name for the assignment of an innumerable company of angels to stand guard throughout my property, to hold up every tree branch, to stop anything from hitting my house in the name of Jesus, and to stand by every telephone pole, every substation, and every wire that feeds my home, that my power will not go off in Jesus' name. That's what I said. That's how I prayed. <clears throat> for the record, I've been here. I've been in this house for 22 years, 21 years, give or take. And if there was so much as a 35 or 40 mile an hour wind gust, the power would always go out. In fact. I started to do research and discovered through the uh, Temple Electric Company's uh, outage map that my subdivision had a weakness, and it was if if we we were one of the first subdivisions that would always lose power, and we'd lose power for longer periods of time than anybody else. I could see it on the outage map. I'm like, why is it that our neighborhood is has no power, and everybody else does? So I had every reason to believe that no matter what, the power was going to go off. And let me tell you something. When they're dealing with a hurricane, there's only so many trucks, and the last thing they're going to worry about is a little bitty subdivision of about, what, 70 houses? I don't know how many there are, maybe 50. But anyway, um, I prayed that. I commanded it. I called down the angels. Protect me from the trees. The holy fire of God did the whole thing, and I meant it. Boy, I meant it. I meant it. I meant it probably as much as every bit as much as King Hezekiah did. <laughs> okay. It was fervent, it was heartfelt, it was powerful. But Ian didn't change its path to Abraham and how long God made him wait. When God wants to test you, he's going to make you wait. He's going to make you suffer. But you're going to find out why. Because the Lord revealed it to me. So, Ian is heading directly up. It's going to hit, the eye is going to hit north of the bay, and the city of Tampa is going to be eradicated. It's going to be completely unfunctional. Worse than New Orleans during the uh, levee breaking. I can hear a Led Zeppelin song in the back of my, I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. When the levee breaks. <laughs> Praise God. But anyway, um, it didn't change. So I was like, all right, I'm watching it. Now I'm still, you know, underwater at work and watching it getting closer and closer and everything. And I thought to myself when it was within, you know, maybe a half a day or so, uh, I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. This is bad. Now, now, granted, all of the plywood, of course, would be gone. And besides, I'm not going to risk my life trying to put up a piece of plywood on a big fat maybe. If the roof is going to blow off, let the roof blow off. I don't want to die on a ladder. But anyway, um, it, it wasn't turning. It wasn't responding to my command. So I 
you know, just like I've mentioned before, scripturally speaking, by the way, I got this from Alex Jones. So, you know, even though he, it was just profound. It was profound what he said. He said, you don't, he said live on the air on a particular, I was listening to a stream and he said, um, when you, you know, with that growly voice, he said, uh, when you're, when you're, when you're sitting in a rowboat and you're on a heavy seas and there's rocks nearby, you, you need to row the boat. Okay. You need to row the boat. Don't just sit there like a jellyfish and start praying for help from God. Start rowing the boat and then start praying. And I thought to myself, wow, that is absolutely profound. So I said to myself, I need to row the boat. Time to get out of here. Oh, you're going to love this. <laughs> so then I make an announcement, send the email out. My senior director sends it out to everybody. Leave John alone. He's making a run for it, blah, blah, blah. This life, limb, safety, property, blah, blah, comes first. Yada, 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 yada. And I, I was, you know, people were just pulling on my arms. I couldn't get out. And in the meantime, while people are just trying to grab my attention and help them do this and help them do that at work, I, I'm like logging in going, okay, I've got to find a hotel. I've got to find a pet-friendly hotel that I can run off to over by Orlando. If I can just get away from the water and get away from Tampa, maybe I'll have – because the hotels are fortified. A lot of people don't know this. They're fortified. They have generator backups. Most of them do, not all of them. And they can, you can actually have air conditioning and food and kind of comfort and, you know, all that kind of stuff, TV, all that. So it's, it's a much better dynamic, even if you're getting pummeled by, you know, you know, or at least by some side winds or whatever. It's a better place to be than stuck in your house with no power especially if it's going to hit Tampa with the force that this thing would have done. The absolute catastrophic destruction, probably millions of people. I don't know how many would have died, but it would have been an amazing number, way more than what happened the last couple of days, which is sad enough. And when you're watching that stuff and you are in the line of sight of this thing, it's traumatizing. And you cry a lot. And I could not find a hotel, no matter where I looked. There are like thousands of hotels in the Orlando area for obvious reasons, but every one I tried, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy. And by the way, when people leave the town, because the gas gets all used up right away in the local town where it's going to get hit, what they do is they drive away with a quarter of a tank and then they stop at the first place that has gas. So what happens is it's a ripple effect. And so all the gas all the way across I-4 to Daytona is completely wiped out. I only had a quarter of a tank of gas because I was too busy trying to keep my job. I didn't see the thing coming until, you know, it's kind of too late, right? And I had uh, people that I, you know, um, the, one of the guys that does maintenance around my house that, Stole, stole a lot of my gas, had uh, called me up and told me that uh, people were, you know, everything was gone. I even went ahead and tried to order some, uh, you know, have delivery order from Walmart of, you know, stuff like Vienna sausages and canned chili and beanie weenies and stuff just to make sure I had easy, easily accessible food. Now I have a bunch in the garage, but I didn't want to have to, you know, I bought But interestingly, they took my order and about 20 minutes after my order got filled, in came another email that says, order canceled. And a text message came in and said, no product available. And I said, oh, 
Well, that's not good. Looks like I'm going to be in deep, deep dookie. This thing's heading straight up. Tampa's going to be wiped out. So now I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. But then I remembered a friend of the family. Her name is Kelly, and she's very nice. She's actually the daughter of a friend of, of a really close friend of my sister up in Pennsylvania. She has a home in Sebring. And Sebring was far enough south that it was below several miles, like 20, 30, 40, 50 miles below the cone of destruction. I know they call it the cone of uncertainty, but I call it the cone of destruction. And so Sebring was south, quite quite far south of the cone of destruction. And I thought, I wonder. So I called her up, and she's like, yeah, yeah, this is looking pretty bad. Uh, it looks like you're in a pretty bad. Do you want to come here, she says? And I'm like, yeah, but I got two dogs. And she's like, bring them along. Come on. I'm like, okay, thanks. So now I am sitting down and I'm making notes. No, actually, that's not true. It was uh, 2 o'clock in the morning the night before or the night, 2 o'clock in the morning that day. I couldn't sleep. It was actually it was more like 1 o'clock in the morning. I was couldn't sleep, concerned. Thing was heading straight at me or us. Florida, Tampa, sorry. And I, so I started to make a list of all the things that I would have to take if I, if I ran for it, because I knew I was going to have to. I never have before, but I knew that this time I had to. And she said, you know, yep. And, um, come on down and all that kind of stuff. And I said, great, thank you. And she's like, I'll get off at work at four, so I'll meet you, you know, and that kind of thing. By that time, I had checked Google Maps to see, just to see. Somebody had texted me and told me that the traffic was building up. People were worried about me. People listened to the radio show, people that know me. And they were starting to text me and let me know. And I looked, and sure enough, the 90-minute ride to Sebring had turned into a three-hour drive. That's not a good sign. Um, but it was an option. And... Um, really the only one I had. So I, and by the way, I thought it was going to be easy to pack up and everything, but I didn't realize that because I've, I, all my stuff that I travel with was already, it's set for business trips, right? So I've got dress shoes and dress clothes and dress belts and clean under, you know, brand new clean everything. You know, it, it's for business travel. When I realized that I was going to have to dress, you know, it was going to have to be completely different wardrobe that I had to pack. It was a lot more work. A lot more work. Anyway, I had to change everything around and everything, and it, it was a lot of work. And I had my little list of things that I had to take, you know, things that you don't think of. You got to put a fish bubbler in the bit in the fish tank and just pray that the D-cell battery will last long enough that maybe your fish will be alive by the time you get back to the house. Although if the power is out, which I would have been able to tell remotely because of the security cameras, I you know, over the internet, uh, I, you know, if it was out for an extended period of time, which it probably would have been, then fish are going to die anyway. So I was kind of facing the idea that the fish were going to die, period, end of story. But it was a sacrifice because I, the alternative was too horrible to, to even imagine. The sacrifice was that about four months ago, maybe five months ago, because of all the culling of the turkeys and all of the things that the evil ones are doing and the H5N2007 or whatever stuff that the 
forces of darkness are injecting as part of their bioweapon attack against mankind and their ability to eat. I had done an experimental search on turkeys at grocery.walmart.com because I wanted a turkey for Thanksgiving. And um, Thanksgiving is a big deal at my house, like the only time I can get my daughter to come over kind of thing. So, and I cook a lot of stuff. It's ridiculous. And I give all the food away because I can't eat all that. It's crazy. I like to cook too. So, but anyway, I wanted a turkey. So I typed grocery.walmart.com whole turkey butterball. And up on the screen pops a butterball whole turkey for $155. Do you think Walmart knows something? Because why would it have popped up at $155 if Walmart wasn't already planning on charging $155 for the thing? So watch out. If you don't have a turkey now, you better figure out how to get one. I can tell you that if you're in a reasonably populated area like I am, and you're able to access the service called Instacart, and you have a Publix uh, supermarket nearby, maybe you're in a different part of the country or whatever, and maybe it's an Albertsons, who knows, but or maybe it's a Piggly Wiggly for all I know. But if if the if you can use the Instacart and it will show you inventory items that you can buy that the stores don't even want you to know they have. The Instacart person that I sent for the turkeys that I saw right there after I saw the $155 one at Walmart, I I was like I had a moment of panic, went to Instacart, this is all part of the story. It all weaves together. I told you there would be a little bit of dancing around, but it all pulls together in one amazing, miraculous story. This was five-some months ago. My refrigerator, my freezer, I have a six-foot freezer, a freezer, you know, a commercial-grade freezer that I bought from most forever ago. Well, it broke, and I lost hundreds of dollars worth of meat, and that's a horrible thing to go through because when you live in Florida and it's really hot, bad meat, hundreds of pounds of it, it makes the police miles away think that you're Jeffrey Dahmer. So anyway, that's a horrible thing to have to deal with. I got rid of it, cleaned it up, paid a man to come in and fix the freezer for about $275 because to buy a new freezer was impossible because of the supply chain shortage. So paid him, got it fixed, cleaned it all out, sanitized it, and slowly, instead of just buying meat and tossing it in there like most people do, I created a system. It's very organized. And I received three turkeys from Publix. When the Instacart person went to Publix, pub, the Publix people said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't have any turkeys. We don't have any turkeys. We don't have any turkeys. Go away. Go away. Well, this particular Instacart person said, baloney. <laughs> okay. And showed the turkey, I guess, on their little app, and it forced their hand, and they went back to the freezer and grabbed me three of their hidden secret turkeys. They weren't cheap. Well, they were like 40 bucks a piece, but that's better than 155 right? And, um, you know, they didn't want to let anybody know they had them. The Instacart person put their foot down. So I got three turkeys, and I put them in the freezer on their own shelf. But wait, now I am evacuating from Hurricane Ian. I just lost an entire freezer of food. Repaired it. Miracle. 
by a miracle of God, I got my three turkeys. I put them in there. But wait, Ian's coming. Now I have to say goodbye to all the meat because the power is going to go out. All the meat's going to go bad. The fish are going to die. But the alternative was too horrible to consider. So I said, oh, well. Oh, well. Loaded up the car, put in dog food, put in dog treats, specially packed everything. I came back up to the office. Uh, There's a bunch of other things that you have to do that I, you know, like I had to get the dog harnesses on the dogs, which I hardly ever do because they run free in and out of the dog door, out back, and all that kind of stuff. But that was one of the things on the list. And I had come back up to the office where I'm at right now and um, had my list. And I was, you know, milliseconds from making a run for it because we're already talking about a three-hour travel time. I was afraid I'd, you know, that I'd barely have enough gas to make it to her house. Wasn't sure how I was going to get back, honestly. And I had to go. It was after 1, it was about 1.30 in the afternoon, and you calculate out a three-hour drive. She gets there at about 4, and this thing's barreling toward Tampa. I accepted that I was going to lose my fish, but I was going to give it a try anyway. And I knew for sure I was going to lose all the meat and the turkeys. But I had to go. So the car's all packed up. Dogs are looking at me like, what's going on here? And um, I came up to the office to do one last check because, you know, you got to have, like, special batteries, and, and I have those for travel purposes, and I, ne- I knew they would come in handy. So I packed up all that kind of stuff and got ready, and then I took I even took my, um, my personal – no, I didn't. I took my work laptop because I was going to work from her dining room table in Sebring while the hurricane destroyed Tampa. Because when you're underwater with all these projects in your life, you know, you're keeping your job is means keeping the ministry, keeping your house. It's the, the importance of it is pretty significant. So I come back up to the office one last time to double check the list, which I had on keep.google.com. I use those little keep notes. And that's what I used from my bed at one o'clock in the morning to make the list because I couldn't sleep. Checked the list, saw the hurricane still barreling directly at Tampa, and I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I got to get the harnesses on the dogs. I got to get in the car. I got to start driving, and I got to go now, now, now. And I'm, you know, I can feel my BP, my blood pressure's going up, my anxiety levels going up. I've got to get going. I got to get going. I got to get going. And I glance over for, I don't even know. It was a glance. How long does a glance take? Like a quarter of a second. And I glanced over at my cell phone that was sitting on the charger, and there was a list. You know, my my phone is configured to display, you know, the top. You might have 20 messages, but even with the lock screen on, you'll see a tiny percentage of some of the messages being displayed on the lock screen. And my eye caught a one-line message amidst other messages, many others. It was about five or six other messages, but there was one. And my eye caught it, but I thought to myself, oh, yeah, that's my ex-wife, whatever. I'll talk to her when I get to Sebring. And um, 
And my thought was, keep running. Get, get, get out of here now. Go now. And so I, my brain was saying, don't, don't even look at the message. But then something came over me, and I thought, I, I guess I got to look at it. I never even logged into the phone. It was just right there on my lock screen, and I looked at it, and it said something like, there's been a change, Tampa may not, and, and that was it. That was all I could see. So I logged in, looked at the message, Tampa may not get hit as hard as they were, they were saying, and I was like, what? What? And I hit speed dial for my ex-wife, who's on you know much safer part of the Tampa Bay area, and um, she actually picked up. But she never does. She never picks up speed dial. She's like text-only person kind of thing. But I wasn't going to wait. I had to get out of there. And, I, and I'm like, what, what is she talking about? And I hit speed dial, and she comes up on and she answers immediately, which was like exceedingly anomalous. And I said, well, what are you talking about that – you know, and she said, well, I'm sitting here watching Bay News 9, and they just announced that the hurricane is changing direction, she says. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And she said, no. So I fired up the browsers, went to all my tracking software and everything, and I looked and I said, oh, my gosh. And I saw that it turned to the right toward land. And I looked at the cone of destruction and I thought, wow, the cone of destruction is heading directly for all the places I was trying to evacuate to. And I thought, well, under these circumstances, I need to stay right where I am. So I did. At that point, I called Kelly and I said, Kelly, do you realize this monster has just turned directly toward you? And it's going to be a cat three when it hits. And she sounded pretty upset, you know, not boo-hoo or anything like that, but she's like, yeah, um, yeah. When I was talking to her, she says, oh, no, the lights just went out. My solar panels have failed. I had told her about six to eight months later not to make the investment in the solar panels because they wouldn't serve her the way she was told by the people that were going to sell them to her. I explained to her the electronics, the drawbacks, the damage to the roof, all the other things. And she decided to go ahead and get them anyway. And interestingly, it was I who was on the phone with her at the time that the solar panels failed. And her lights went out and she said, oh my gosh. And then the heavy winds were hitting and let me tell you something. When a Cat 3 is hitting your house, that is things. 500 miles wide.
she said, I'm going to get out of here. And then I hung up the phone and she seemed to know where she was going to go run away to. And um, I went back to monitoring what was going on closely, by the way. And watching the houses blowing across the street live. Now, in some I, in, in some cases, it was a storm chaser, but I had a YouTube live feed that had like eight. It was a, it was amazing. It was way better than anything that you could get on TV for sure. And these were qualified, you know, meteorologists with storm chasers, so they were right there, and they were all over the place. They were in Santa Santa Bell or not. Not the island, but in Sanibel, they were in uh, Fort Myers. They were, uh, you know, in, in uh, all, all, you know, Punta Gorda, everywhere. And the one storm chaser was yelling, "There are houses flying across the street! There are houses flying across the street!" And of course, they tried to pan the camera around, but there's so much debris and everything, you couldn't really see very well. Tears started to roll down my eyes. I realized that this was a monster on a level that very few had ever. I mean, I was like, I'd never seen anything like that. What I saw happening live is something, it's traumatizing. It's absolutely beyond traumatizing. It's, you, it, you, it's not, you can't unsee some things. So I'm watching all this going on. And there are 65-plus mile-an-hour wind gusts, sustained wind gusts occurring at my house. Now, remember the Charlie thing. We were, you know, we're listening to Jimmy Buffett music going out for dinner in Tampa. Now, within, apocalyptic monster, deadly, horrible. There are still parts of Tampa, and I told you about the Florida Power and Light announcement, that are going to be down for months. And Tampa is 100 miles away from the entry point, the landfall point. My home was experiencing exceedingly powerful gusts of wind. But I decided I had to go on the defense. I knew the power that I had in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I sat here right where I'm sitting right now. And I could see the mass of trees out in my backyard, one of which is about 50 feet tall, very big tree, canopy tree. And these things are just flying to the left and to the right and to the left and to the right. And it's just the whole house is like. And I'm standing there. I'm literally on the phone with like Kirk Martin and people are calling me. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I got the phone going and I'm like, I I would stop them. And I would just like right while they're, they're going blah, blah, blah. Are you okay, Johnny? Is everything okay? And I'd be like, I rebuke you. Peace, be still in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the air would go. Then it would stop. But what was really amazing was that my power was on. That's impossible. My power was on. The air conditioning was working. The internet was up. My brother-in-law, who is an ex-pilot for Southwest, 
sends me a message and says, well, you're only experiencing 65-mile-an-hour gusts. And I said, Joe, I said, I got proof that you're not exactly right. Those were the average gusts. However, there were peak gusts of over 80 miles an hour that are well within Category 1. They're beyond Category 1 range. And they were sustained in some cases. And the reason that I knew this is because I found an application that would measure the wind gusts from the Tampa airport and put them on a graph and show you them in peaks every time they would hit. And there were some that were so powerful, it was, it was absolutely horrific. And every single time, peace, be still in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I command you. Power was still up. Wi-Fi was still up. Couldn't believe it. But that's what happened. I was literally milliseconds from driving directly into the path of a Cat 3 monster apocalyptic hurricane. And by some miracle, I see this message from my ex seconds before I am jumping in the car to drive on my quarter tank and the thing turns the power stays up the Wi-Fi stays up and I stay up as late as I possibly could commanding the powerful gust that could easily crash one of the trees right through my house but I'd already prayed about that I knew that there were angels out there holding those tree branches up. I just knew it. I, I knew it. And then the power was up. That's impossible. I've been here 21 years. So then I receive a couple of emails. The timing of them was absolutely astonishing. For those of you who are regular listeners of the program, especially the prayer vigil, where we tackle some of the more fascinating mysteries of the Bible, I think, and also my lessons, my beatings and the, and the lessons that I learned from them, you will remember, if, if you're a regular listener, you will remember that I have used this analogy The analogy that I used was I said to people, the only reason I've thought about everything, I know the scriptures very well, I've been through a lot of things, and I know that God can chasten you. I get all that. Um, But what I could not understand is why, when you are doing everything right, or as best as you know is right, you're praying, you're taking communion almost every day, you're serving God, you're using very advanced spiritual warfare tactics. By the way, I got an email from somebody that um, had never tried calling down the holy fire of God, and they sent me an email and said, oh my gosh, that changed my life. Gave big old testimony. I was like, praise God. But anyway... um, What's kind of fascinating 
is I got to keep my turkeys. My fish are not dead. The power seat on the whole time, Wi-Fi, all that. Um, and then I get a couple of communications. And this is how God works. But first I'll tell you what I taught. I, I don't know where the information came from, but I said on the air more than once, I've used this analogy, When God is trying to teach you things and strengthen you, what he does is put you in, and I use the analogy of boxing rings. And I said, imagine going into a boxing, a place where you get trained to box. And you have the beginner's boxing ring, and then you have the intermediate boxing ring, and then the last one over there to the far right is where Rocky Balboa whips your butt. And God will grab you and throw you into the one boxing ring on the left. And you'll get you'll be in there trying to box, trying to box, trying to box, spiritual warfare, doing this, doing that, but you know, you got a big target on your back, Satan's gonna and one and you know, and but God'll also stand back and let you take the beating. It's part of your crushing down and building up dynamic. Okay. You can call it, you know, whatever you want to call it going through the fiery trials, you know, whatever, you know, refiner's fire, how about that, all that. And then I said, analogously, you know, eventually you're going to get good enough after you get your honey cheeks butt, you know, butt whooped enough times at the, in the first ring, God's, then you're going to be like, oh, man, I finally arrived. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And right about the time you come up for air, God's going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and throw you in the other ring. And you're going to be like, what is going on here? This can't be happening to me. Now, as part of that journey, you will usually respond in a non-ideal manner. Because the only way that God wants you to respond is to praise him. To trust him. To the point that Abraham did with the knife over Isaac to the very last millisecond. Job thirteen fifteen. though he slay me, yet I will trust him. And trusting God is gushing with rewards of protection like nothing else. Don't ever forget Psalm seventy eight fourteen talking about the Israelites in the desert. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You don't want to limit God. So when you are getting your piney cheek whooped because God grabbed you by the scruff of the neck and threw you into the next boxing ring, and you're like going, this can't be happening to me. What is going on here? Lord, God, what is happening? And you're throwing a fit. You're pissed. You're failing the test. You're going to have to spend a longer longer time in that boxing ring. And uh, and then I concluded the analogy by saying, eventually, 
you might get to the point where you'll wake up and you'll raise your hand and you'll praise Jesus, praise Jesus, thank you, Father, praise you, Lord, and you'll use spiritual warfare tactics, you'll get control of the situation, you won't be complaining, you won't be throwing a fit, you won't be angry, uh, you won't be shaking your fist in the air, you won't be like, I can't believe this is happening to me, and, and you'll take it in grace. You'll take it with grace, and you'll praise God, and you'll praise Jesus, and you'll mean it. There's a difference between doing it and meaning it, big difference, and God knows that difference. Just because you're praising Jesus don't mean you're passing the test, okay, You because know, God's going to look at your heart. And then he's going to grab you by the scruff of the neck. Just about the time that you think, maybe, just maybe, this is why I call into question most Christians' understanding of the concept that God will never test you beyond your your means to blah, 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 whatever. Because I really think that that has a much more deeper mystery meaning. It doesn't mean that he isn't going to test you beyond your capability of gracefully handling the situation. That's not what it means. But that's what most Christians think. What it actually means, and, and I believe this with all of my heart, or I wouldn't say it, is that God will not test you beyond the point that he knows you're going to crack and apostatize. That's what it means. As long as you stay determined, getting back up, dusting yourself off, and working on your ability to walk in grace, praise him, and trust him, and you continue to pray, Father, help me trust you. Father, help me praise you. Father, help me understand. Father, take, take in a, you know, a wine glass and whipped it against the wall because <laughs> you were frustrated, but, you know, it's part of the journey. Now, some people might take things in grace more regularly or routinely, and usually that, that's a sign of maturity to some degree. But remember, it's about the heart. And a lot of people have a breaking point. And depending on who you are and how God is going to use you, if you are a certain age and God knows that you're not going to live long enough, for the especially dark period that he has chosen you to do damage to the devil and his works and save many souls and use the power of Jesus to raise small dead children back to life so their parents give their lives to Jesus. If if God knows that you're not going to be around for that, he's, he's going to let you alone. He might still have to go through some refiner's fire because he loves you and he wants you to be as as perfect as he can possibly get you in the heart so that when you arrive in heaven, your rewards are maximized. Because that's really what it's all about for him. He wants to reward us. He wants us to have a city mansion. He wants us to have a country mansion. He wants us to be part of the bride and the ruling class of with Jesus Christ as a fellow medicoi, which are sufferers, those who suffer with Jesus. When you're attacked and you're going through all these things and you're actually praying to God, whatever you got to do to me, Father, go ahead and do it. And meaning it. And then he grabs you by the neck and throws you into the Rocky Balboa uh, boxing ring. 
and you get yourself whooped way worse than you've ever been whooped. But you get up, you dust yourself off, you might have let a couple of F-bombs fly, but boy, you ain't quitting. And you get back up and you say, Father, I am sorry. Please forgive me. Help me to have the grace. Pour out the blood of Jesus onto my brain. Take away those words. Don't let me ever say them. Uh, Father, you know, and you're right back in the ring. And here comes Rocky again. Bam, 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 bam. And you're falling over. But this time, you get back up. And when you're praising Jesus, it's coming from the heart. Does that mean you're not going to get thrown into another ring? No. How many rings are there that you might get thrown into? It depends. God and God alone knows what he's going to use you for in the days ahead. God and God alone knows whether or not he's going to bring you home. You know, if you're living out in California, I'm sorry to tell you this. I'm not really sorry to tell you this. I'm actually happy to tell you this because it is going to bless you if you understand how awesomely happy you're going to be to be in the presence of Jesus. But if you're over on the West Coast, you're going home early. And if you're part of the wheat harvest and you're here for the three days of darkness and the great earthquake in Revelation 6.12, which is the second watch, and you live anywhere on the East Coast or Florida or whatever, You're going home early, and God knows this, because he knows the beginning from the end. And he knows the things that he thinks about you, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good to bring you to an expected end. Ephesians 3.20, that's a sister verse of that, and Psalm 139, verse 16, it's a sister verse of that. May all three of those go together. But you have to be able to spiritually discern your scripture. Now, all that being said, is there an end to the number of boxing rings? No. There might be for you because you're located in a place that's about to break off and go into the ocean. But precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You think you're going to be complaining when you arrive? Ah, doggone it, I knew I should have moved to Denver. I don't think so. So, to tie a ribbon on this, I notice that we're approaching 10, so we'll have just enough time to take a quick, not a full-blown communion. But I think this, this lesson is so important for people to understand. Because so many people are going through horrible, horrible things. I can tell you somebody that's very close to me received the baptism of the Holy Spirit from listening to the Speaking in Tongues prayer vigil show, put it into practice, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The next day her husband, within the next couple of days, her husband walked in of many, many years, two children, and says, I want a divorce. Welcome to being dangerous to the devil. He knows who's going to be dangerous. And sometimes it has everything to do with where you're located on the earth. Maybe you're located in a town where you're the only one that he can use.
So how do I know all this? How did I get the confirmation? Well, I'm going to start out with the, the smiley confirmation first. The smiley confirmation is I did not sleep that night. Even when I finally did go to bed, the gale force winds are bashing against the house. Sticks and stones are hitting things, and you're not sleeping. You might think you are, but you're not. It's kind of like somebody coming up beside your bed, and every every time you doze off, they just take a gavel and hit the side, you know, the little uh, side table. Bam! You, you're like, you wake up, but you don't really remember that you're waking up constantly all throughout the night. So you have, like, zero sleep. I'm so tired. I was so tired the next day. I was literally holding onto the walls because I was going to fall. That's how tired I was. And I looked inside my email. And there were two interesting emails there. And I opened up the one. I'm going to read it to you now. The headline is, The economic condition of America will be laid bare this Thanksgiving. Record high turkey prices. It says if you love to cook, this upcoming Thanksgiving may be a real challenge for you. Thanks to the resurgence of bird flu, supplies of turkey are getting tighter and tighter. Sadly, the same thing is true for eggs. As you will see below, reduced milk production is sending the price of butter into the stratosphere. By the way, I I need pounds of butter for this stuff I cook, so I'm going to have to stock up on butter. But anyway... I, I cook everything from scratch, and let me tell you something. There ain't nothing <laughs> dietary about a thing. All right, praise God. I mean, most people could walk by it and easily gain 15 pounds just through the effect on their eyes if they're over 50. But anyway, I got that. I was like, wow. Very next day, I received this. You know, that was either like God giving me a poke in the eye or saying, I got your back. You want a turkey at Thanksgiving? I got your back. You're going to have your turkey. That came into my inbox the very next day, the day after no sleep. And I thought to myself, wow, wow. I was going to sacrifice those turkeys and let the power go out and run off to Sebring, which got slammed by a Cat 3 monster hurricane. In a split second before I left, car fully packed. It changes direction, and I stay. I get to keep my turkeys. And the very next day, I get this email. The economic condition of America will be laid bare. This Thanksgiving, record high turkey prices, if you can even get one. I got three. Praise his name. I'm not even sure who I'm going to give the other two to, but I'll figure it out. And, But that wasn't all of it. You might remember that I have been warning people 
that the Stanley Fraudstrom prophecy of 1963, give or take, and he was the best friend of Smith Oglesworth, which I have published on tribulation-now.org, um, talks about God re- intentionally reduce, uh, sending down seducing spirits, which is basically what happened in Second King or First Kings 22:19, where uh, God was sitting in an innumerable company of spirit beings, minor gods, and he he says, you know. Uh, who, who, you know, uh, how will we send, you know, King Rahab to, or I'm sorry, uh, King uh, Ahab to go in and die at Ramoth Gilead? And one spirit said to another, now the word spirit really means minor God. Because that's what we'll be when we're in heaven. We'll be in our spirit bodies, beings of light, minor gods. Jesus said at John 10.34, have I not said, ye are gods. And our Heavenly Father is Yahvael, God of gods. But out of respect, we should call him our Father. I don't agree with anybody calling him anything but our Father. Why would you call him anything but what Jesus called him? To me, that seems almost disrespectful. But that's just me. I'm wacky like that. If Jesus did it, then so shall we. So, I got the turkey confirmation, and I thought, well, I'll be doggone. What are the odds that I would receive this email the very next day? One in 50 quadrillion? The timing was impossible. I even have a post-it note on my desk that says, buy Thanksgiving food now. Now, of course, I can't buy the fresh parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, and the yams and everything, but I'm pretty sure they'll be available. It might be real pricey, but I'll be able to get them. Um, But anyway, there was that, which was really kind of cool, especially because my eyes were burning and I was barely able to form sentences. I mean, I actually went on meetings on a day that I was told by my boss, take the day off. Call it a hurricane day. Take it off. Well, I couldn't. (laughs) I'm not even going to get into that. But I even told the person I was on the phone with, very important, big, big company, all that kind of thing, Phoenix and all that. I told him, I said, if I I stutter and I'm not able to complete sentence, (laughs) please forgive me. And sure enough, I barely talk. She laughed. She's like, well, then you're a lot like me. I was like, okay, it's fine. Anyway. But there was one other email I got. Probably the very most important one of all. Remember I told you about the God sending the seducing spirits and the prophecy of Stanley Fraudrum, and that how I've noticed ever since Donald Trump took the presidency that all of my A-list prophets that I was following closely went south. They went sideways. And I was like, this has got to be the seducing spirits coming out. I mean, there was just all kinds of, it wasn't right. One of them had even started, one of them had even created a teaching on YouTube that it was okay to shoot people into self-defense, kill people with guns. 
And I was like, well, Psalm 66, 18 says, if I have iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So no wonder this person's stuff was going sideways. And it's definitely iniquity. I mean, you know, anything, any any belief system that causes you to create, uh, to to sin multiple times is iniquity. And then if you're teaching it, it is a grandiose offense to God because you're corrupting God's people. But you can do that unwittingly. This one particular person I had actually telephoned to let her know that you can't do that. I was like, Hey, this is so and so. I just wanted to let you know. No, you, you, the breach, you know, the teaching that you had about the guns, it wasn't in click buzz. Got hung up on. Well, you know, I, I, it really had. You know, I'm so used to being having people do that kind of thing to me that, um, you know, even if they're supposed to be fellow brothers and sisters and. Even though the Bible says you're supposed to listen to admonishment and all that kind of stuff, and I, I get it, I get it. I've, you know, after you've taken so many whoopings from other Christians, you just have a very low level. Your tolerance is wore out. The other day, well, maybe it was about a month ago. No, maybe maybe a couple of months ago. I was on my knees praying to God, and I said to him, Father, please, we're going through some really awful stuff, and we need to hear your voice through your prophets. Please, Father. Maybe it was three months ago. I don't remember. It was was about three months, probably. And um, I I was in tears. I was like, please, Father. I was going through all kinds of crummy things, and I was wondering, why are we getting beaten up so bad? Why are we getting beaten up so bad? You know, we need to hear right from the throne room. Father, Father, and I I really, I was in tears. Please, Father, please, Father. And this particular person that hung up the phone on me came to my heart immediately. And I suddenly thought, oh, my I am harboring hurt hurt feelings over that encounter. And while the tears were still rolling down my face, I said, Father, please, in Jesus' name, forgive her, for she knows not what she does. Anyway, I'm going to read to you this prophecy. Um, because it is amazing, and the timing is unbelievable. And there is no doubt in my mind that God has done a mighty work, and that this person's accuracy is second to none right now. Indeed, it is the most impressive Accuracy level I have ever seen in one of God's prophets in my life. As far as you know, there's there's been some other ones that that you know prior to 20 you know 16 that were just knocking the ball out of the park. But then the seducing spirits weren't 
dealing, you know, we weren't dealing with all that stuff. But I, let me read this to you. And by the way, I just want you to know, it came out yesterday. All right. So let me find it here real quick. Praise God. Listen to this. It's entitled Tests and Training. Now think about Rocky Balboa. Think about the things that we're going through. Think about that, you know, golly, was it over a year ago that I started using the analogy of being thrown from one boxing ring to another boxing ring to another boxing ring, that God's going to keep on going at you to harden you, to get you better, to get you better, to get you better. And I even hypothesized that the reason that God would do that is because he's preparing us for the days that we have ahead. Dated September 29th of 2022. Title is Tests and Training. You know, when I read this, <laughs> it actually occurred to me, I thought to myself, no way, is she like closet listening to the radio show or something? But I knew that wasn't the case. But this is what it says. Wait until you hear this. Tests and training released yesterday at 2.56 p.m. And I quote, Tests and intense training for my chosen ones. My children do not grow weary. I am preparing you for what comes. You are being strengthened for more difficult times that you may withstand what comes next. Many of my children have have lived soft lives, lives without real challenge, lives without hardship. I am strengthening you that you may be effective in this time. For those of you who have survived more difficult lives, I am making you stronger. Now it is time to prepare you for what you will face in the future. Jury dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. So as you get tossed into the next boxing ring, and you will, unless God knows he's going to take you home or you live like on the West Coast and the Cascadia subduction zone event's going to take you home, Whatever the case is, there's always an, un, un, an unless in there. There's always a conditional situations that play a role. But here is an impossible confirmation that came in literally the day after this entire testimony took place, complete with the turkey. Three of them, by the way. And fish that are still happily swimming around a lit-up fish tank. 
with air conditioning, Wi-Fi, and no power outages. Miracles. Miracle after miracle after miracle with a just-in-time saving of me, some turkeys, some fish. An amazing testimony, no power outage. I mean, really, the debris that's in my backyard, I mean, I could take, I'd probably go out tomorrow in 15 minutes with my power blower and, you know, I got a gas Hitachi power blower. I bet you I could probably blow all that stuff off the back out of, out of there and clean up the front yard in all of about 30 minutes, really. Even my new ham radio antenna, which which had only a wind rating of 65 miles an hour, is still standing straight and tall. I just put that up the other day. I didn't go up on the roof. I paid somebody else to do it. But, you know. But what an amazing circle of events. What what an amazing group of big, small. I mean, you got small, medium, and large miracles all kind of wrapped into this big thing that goes all the way back to buying the turkeys. The Instacart person, public's trying to hide them, $155 on grocery, all that stuff. And then an unbelievable confirmation after a prayer and tears several months ago that hits the ball so far out of the park that it bounces off of several other baseball stadiums on its way to Nome, Alaska. It doesn't get any better than that. So as you... Look at the things you're dealing with, wondering how in the world, how can terrible, and I say, I'm right there with you. Trust me when I say that this testimony that I just gave tonight, even at the sacrifice of taking communion, which I think we're going to take the last five minutes to do, was the answer that you need right now. And if you're not praying that God will use you, maybe you should rethink it. Because this stuff, sucky as it is to go through, the results of going through it last for all, all of eternity. And that is the rest of the story. Right? Amen. Praise God. And now, let's take communion. Holy communion. Father, we praise your name. Purify us. We confess that we are perpetual and continuous sinners and unworthy of your presence, as we are. And we confess and praise you that you've humbled us to the point that we rent our robes and realize that we will never be worthy. We praise you, Father, for helping and teaching us to be humble and contrite, full of love, seeking you, and trying to be like Jesus, 
always. And be very, very careful as we learn in these cycles of training to develop grace and give you praise that it comes from the bottom of our heart. Purify us, Father, in this journey, we pray. Thank you for your mercy and your love. And Jesus says to each of us, on the day in which I was betrayed, I took bread, I broke it, gave thanks and said, Here, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that same manner, Jesus took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of for as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes Ani Lododi Lododi Lee I am my beloved and my beloved is mine Did you ever know that you're my hero? God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners that the mercy of grace redeemed we are by your embrace praise his holy name praise the king of kings when will your coming be